Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Re-rack the breaking Texas basketball news, the big Texas basketball news of the day. Chris Johnson, four-star combo guard at a Montvert Academy in Florida. National Prep Powerhouse. Dylan Mitchell finished his high school career there. Marcus Carr finished his high school career there. Uh, so did Chris Johnson. Spent his first three years at Fort Bend Elkins, then went to Montvert. Kansas signing initially got out of his letter of intent with the Jayhawks earlier this month. And now he has committed to Rodney Terry and the Texas Longhorns, number 73 overall in our national rankings at 24-7 Sports for the class of 2023. Cam and I, we were talking about it during the show earlier. Uh, Cam, just to reset, this is a guy that I think has a chance to to grow with Kendall Weaver and be a guy that can really be, really solidify your backcourt for the 2024-25 season in theory once Max Aismas and Tyrese Hunter are no longer on campus. Yeah, this is the move for Rodney Terry to at least you know provide some sort of insurance in debt for the 2024-2025 seasons because he's the only freshman who's going to have a scholarship on this basketball team going forward. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of super seniors, seniors, and upper class. And I mean, Kendall Weaver's a sophomore, but there's there's no guarantee that going into next next year, Rodney Terry will have a returning guard. And for a a sport that is dominated by guards right now, especially combo guards, this is a good move for Rodney Terry because, you know, obviously he can attack the portal, but it would be nice to have someone to come in who's been developed and has the experience and, and knows the staff, knows the offense very well going into his second season. So this is not much more of a move for this year as it is for two years down the road, Jeff. Like we said, uh, T.J. Ford has been a really big mentor to Chris Johnson throughout his uh, basketball career. So the, the connection with the Texas staff and the Texas program was there. Uh, and once he got out of that letter of intent with Kansas, Texas was on him. And I honestly, I know Washington and Arkansas – we're in the mix, but I, I don't think it was ever really a question of of if, but when Chris Johnson was going to pull the trigger and make it known that Texas was going to be his choice. So, like you said, Cam, really big get for Rodney Terry. Uh, your backcourt of the future, as much as you can have a backcourt of the future in college basketball today, because you got Ace and Hunter with skins on the wall, and now you bring in Chris Johnson along with Kendall Weaver, let your guy, tra- you know, moving up a level like Kendall Weaver is after a really good freshman year at UTA was the whack freshman of the year, and then a true freshman coming from the high school ranks. Just kind of let those guys get their feet wet and then be ready to take off in year two. All right, Cam, oh, do you have something else to add on? Yeah, on before we get to the FAQ, um, Kylie McDaniel from ESPN released his uh, MLB mock draft. You know, the oh, yeah. draft coming out July 9th. Uh, Texas has two signees that I think are – possible first-round draft picks. Nick Saunders out of Waco University and Travis LaCour out of Round Rock. This mock draft does not have those two guys going in the first 40 picks. Now, it's a mock draft. does not mean it's true, but I think for those two kids, a lot depends on if they come to Texas based on where they're drafted and that signing bonus, that guaranteed money. So those are two guys that I think would have it make an immediate impact as a freshman, Sanders probably the number two catcher behind Blake Mitchell out of Sinton, who's going to be a top ten pick. Yeah, and if not, he's going to LSU in Sakura. I mean, he's already throwing hundred miles an hour as a as a high school kid. So uh, July 9th, I believe, is the uh, MLB draft. Um, a lot of you know with the World Series, a lot of there's a lot of good pitching right now. So that's kind of a little bit of recency bias for a lot of MLB guys. We'll see what actually happens on draft day, but. Uh, Two guys that, you know, Texas and Coach Pierce will have their eyes on come draft night. A little less than two weeks. Man, if, if some – I have not counted on either one of those kids making it to campus. No. If you get one of those guys, then that's a win. Dude, if you get both, and now you're talking about – I know they're freshmen, but 
those are two pieces that they can they can help you. Those are the kind of pieces that help you get to Omaha. Yeah, and I think you know because you're, you're you're watching you know Waldrop and and uh, the kid from Rhett Louder and all these guys pitch Spall Skeens. You know, obviously it's in the back of your mind; it's more fresh, so you're gonna probably like elevate them a little bit higher in the MLB draft. But you know, once you get one or two weeks for the MLB front offices to actually sit down and think about what they want to do, I wouldn't be surprised if closer to draft night you end up seeing Travis Cora back up. In the in the first round, because talking to the scouts who would go to the Round Rock games, you know they were like probably mid twenties is where we'll end up. But you know you never yeah. know. We'll see. You can also have a deal where we've seen teams work their draft like this with the bonus pool money. Yeah, to where you can take a junior or a senior, definitely, but a junior that you know is going to sign. You know that they they don't want to go back to college. You can sign them under slot, save some of that slot money, and take a kid like a Nick Saunders or a Travis Sakura, maybe take them if you got a sandwich pick or a pick early in the second round, take them, and then now you can you can sign them way over slot, yeah. and it, it still makes sense for you. Yeah, which which obviously could definitely happen depending on, you know, it's about the money, I think. Yeah. All right, Cam, let's go ahead and wrap up this uh, summer football FAQ. All right. So we've touched on the year's expectations, mm-hmm. Quinn Ewers, the running back room. Now defensively. What needs to happen for Texas to take a major step forward in any young players who you think could factor into that next step, Jeff? I think overall, you got to make more splash plays. Your havoc plays have to increase. And what I mean by havoc plays, if you have a great is one of those advanced statistics that Bill Connolly and, and folks of that ilk track, and I love it because it gives you a better idea of what kind of impact plays your defense is making, and that's tackles for loss, which includes sacks, Passes defense, which includes interceptions, and, and forced fumbles are also factored into your havoc plays because it's not necessarily fumble recovery. It's, it's how, how how often are you getting around the ball and making an impact when you're there. Uh, Texas just didn't make enough of those last year. You know, we saw the numbers on defense improve, but I just think the, the interceptions and not necessarily the sacks, you'd like the sack numbers to go up, but I think forced fumbles, interceptions, stopping drives. You know, ending drives early, getting your offense in good field position. Uh, you know, because we've seen, you know, there's no reason why this offense shouldn't be a really good sudden change offense with the kind of firepower you've got potentially. They just need more sudden change opportunities. We see, we see more often than not in Sark's first two years, your sudden change opportunities have come off special teams. Now, whether it's a block punt, a big return, block field goal, whatever it is. We've seen more of those sudden change opportunities come in, in special te- come off special teams. I think more of those just need to come off defense. Cam, I'm not necessarily saying you need to be Todd Orlando's 2017 defense and lead the country in defensive touchdowns. But you got to get more interceptions, more forced fumbles, you know, more sacks, get offenses behind the chains. You you want to become a better third down defense, a better a better situational defense. Get teams off schedule. Get them into third and long and take your chances there. So I, I, that's what I need to see from this defense. As far as young guys, I think it's going to be the linebackers, uh, you know, Leonga LaFowle and or Anthony Hill, especially Anthony Hill's a situational pass rusher. really like him. And, and I think at the corner position, too, you know, Terrence Brooks is a guy that we saw play a lot late last year. Um, if he can hold down that field corner spot, because you know what you got a boundary corner with Ryan Watts. If Terrence Brooks can be the guy at field corner, that just makes you so much more flexible with the rest of your defense. It really lets you – it allows Jalen Catalan to settle into a role. You you can keep Jedi Barron at that, that nickel position, at that star position. You can use Gavin Holmes more liberally. It just helps out your defense on the back end tremendously if you find the piece, a piece that you can plug in and rely on down to down at field corner 
Terrence Brooks is going to go into camp with the best shot to be that guy. Question number five. Who's an off-the-radar player or players who could emerge to play an important role this season? I think I mentioned this in the Q&A with Kevin. It's hard at Texas to be very much off the radar just because when you're doing it right and recruiting, a lot of these guys are going to come in with hype. I think it's going to be somebody at that edge, those edge positions. Uh, you know, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about – I've looked at it from the standpoint of may, maybe a, an opponent-by-opponent opponent approach to the edge position opposite of Baron Sorrell, whether it's, you know, you're playing a team that's more of a, a balanced offense. Mm-hmm. You might see more Justice Finkley and Jamon Tapp if it's a defense, if it's a team that plays you know, like a Kansas State wants to play with heavier personnel, maybe that's a week where you see more Dre Bledsoe out there uh, and definitely more of, of Finkley and Tapp. If it's a team where, like a Texas Tech, that's going to throw the ball a bunch and spread you out, that's probably a week where maybe Ethan Burke and or Colton Vossett get more snaps. Uh, I just, it's not out of the question, though. That, excuse me. It's not out of the question, though, Cam, that one of those guys just steps up and takes hold of that position. It would be coming out of the blue for me if that happened. So I think if it, if it's going to be somebody stepping up, kind of a dark horse type guy on defense, I think it's going to be one of those edge guys. If you if you want to take it over to offense and look at a, a dark horse type guy, again, it's hard to call DJ Campbell or Nato Amezulu a dark horse. But said this before I left on vacation, you're bringing back all starting five on the offensive line. That's not necessarily a given that those are going to be your starting five wire to wire in 2023. I just think your depth is that good up front that you just might have some younger guys pass some some more experienced guys. So I, I would say it's probably probably going to be one of those edge guys. And if you want to get technical, David Benda and, Ke- and Keaton Crawford are really good prospects for that. So we just haven't seen those guys do it on defense, on a on anywhere close to resembling consistent basis. Keaton Crawford's done it on special teams. David Bend has been a backup. Those two guys kind of fit that mold of of dark horse guys that you think could emerge and be players of consequence. Kind of take that Anthony Cook path. Next one for you, Jeff. What's the general feeling about Steve Sarkeesian, the job he's done slash is doing at Texas heading into his third season? Uh, I, I think I'll speak for the Texas fans that I interact with on the flagship message board at Horns 24-7 and he, on the Specs text line, I think people love Sark as a recruiter. They love Sark as a personality, Sark as a motivator, Sark as a face of the program in general, like Sark's offense. I think the big question is, is Sark the kind of coach that can work a game to give you an advantage in a tight game? Again, Cam, 4-10 in games decided by eight points or less. Mm. That's Texas' record under Sark in those games. Can he give you the kind of edge you need to get over the hump in those close games you're inevitably inevitably going to play in this league? That's what I think a lot of people either question or just don't – they just believe that's where Sark comes up short. And last one for you. We talked about recruiting on this show already. We know how Sark's done a great job recruiting, especially at a high level. Mm-hmm. It feels like there's fewer roster holes than perhaps in the last few years, especially coming off of the high-rated classes that even Tom Herman and Charlie Strong pulled together. Still a lot less roster holes going into this year, but is there a position that Texas needs to recruit at a higher level heading into the SEC? It need to continue to recruit interior defensive line at a high level. Uh, Because you're about to run into a couple years where 
Alfred Collins, Devondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Ernie Broughton, all these guys are about to be gone. So you got to make sure you're replenishing that pipeline. I think defensive line, period, is where it is. We talked about edge. I don't, I, I don't, I can't say, you, and nobody can say they've recruited bad at edge. We just don't know what's there, really. So I would say edge, interior defensive line, basically your, your, your defensive front as a whole, and then I think corner. Again, not that they haven't recruited bad at corner. I just think the skill talent in the SEC continues to get better and better. You better make sure you got guys that can lock down and man coverage. Nick Saban's having a hard time finding guys right now that can consistently do that. So if Nick Saban's having a hard time finding those guys, everybody should be having a hard time finding those guys. Recruiting at corner specifically, along with along with defensive front in that league, those two things are going to be paramount. In addition to continuing to doing what you're doing on the offensive line, because as, as as much speed and talent is in that league, the SEC always has been, always will be a line of scrimmage league. That's where Texas needs to continue to improve. There's two, I think two for sure, positions that needed to be addressed going to the SEC, and it's both the offensive line and defensive line. It feels like the O-line's been addressed. D-line, it's going to be a big year. There's a lot of promise, potential, but it's I'm in wait-and-see mode in the D-line, Jeff. Offensive line, I think it's going to be a great year. For the O line, yeah, especially given on defense, the defensive line, especially given losing Colburn and Ojemo, some guys that played a lot of really productive snaps for you, and and the depth really made that interior D line group special last year. Are they going to have that kind of depth? Can they get it from Broughton and Collins or an Aaron Bryant, somebody like that, further along down the depth chart?